Today we're starting a new series that I'm calling Practical Passages. These are passages that I've come across in my study of scripture, and they've really just made me pause because I needed to meditate on them or ruminate on them because they were so packed full of powerful insights and wisdom that really changed my perspective. And I hope they do the same for you. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. So the first passage I want to take a look at is from 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 8, and it says this. By the way, I'm reading from the Evangelical Heritage Version. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. I started my Bible reading last night and I stopped right there. <laughs> it's like, whoa, that says a lot right there. I didn't even want to go on. Live in harmony with one another. So the word harmony means, I'm in the People's Bible series now, it says the conscious decision to work together with people to suppress one's own ego and desires and choose to adapt to others' needs and wants. I should point out that we're talking about believers here. In this section of scripture, the Apostle Peter, this is the Peter who walked with Jesus, one of Jesus' inner three disciples, Peter, James, and John. James is dead by now, but Peter and John did a lot of ministry together. You can see that in the book of Acts. They're doing a lot of things together. They were starting in Jerusalem together, and then you see them in Samaria, and they're working together. And so the Apostle Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest friends while Jesus was doing his ministry, tells us to live in harmony with one another. We're supposed to live in harmony with all the other believers. So we're not going to live in harmony with the rest of the world. We know that. Peter has already gone through this, that we're strangers and aliens, and that, you know, we're, we're not going to find our people necessarily in the world. So in this passage, when he's talking about living in harmony with one another, he's talking about believers. And he's saying, look, put aside your ego, put aside your desires. What can you do to live in unison, in unity with God's people. So as I was thinking about this, I had to think about, I just got back from a trip and on the airplane ride back, it was in the middle of the night. And usually I'm pretty good about being able to work on flights, but this flight started at 9.20 PM and we were in the air until like 5.30 AM. And so I, you know, I couldn't sleep because there were people on my side and it, it, there's just too much activity. I just can't sleep like that. I nodded off a couple of times, but I ended up watching a series on negotiation. And one of the things that I, I got a lot of great insight out of it, but one of the things that I really got out of it was that an aggressive tone will almost never get you what you desire. So whether it's with your kids or your husband or your you know, boss at work, or your neighbor that you are approaching because they're doing something that you don't like. If you come and you're just all out aggression, why did you, what are you, what do you think? You're, you're usually 
not going to have a good outcome. So when I read this, live in harmony with one another, I immediately went back to, mm, you know, tone has a lot to do with this. Live in harmony with one another, with your fellow believers. When you have a conflict, how are you going to get through this? What are you going to do? Ask some questions. Find out where they're coming from. Why do you want to do this this way? Or how can I understand or help me to understand where you're coming from or what you need or what's what's going on? Help me to understand your perspective so I can see it from your viewpoint. Because right now, all I can see is this. And when we do that, when we approach this in a way that, you know, not aggressive or even defensive, like defending our point of view, but just help me understand, show me what you need or what you want. Why do you think that it would be best to do this? Just, it's a whole different thing. But also when we set out with the goal to live in harmony with one another, things go a whole lot different. So I mentioned I had just come back. I was just on a flight. My family took a vacation in Alaska and we were there for seven full days. And you have to understand that my kids are 15 to 23. So we went from not spending much time together at all. One is at college, one is married, both out of the house, right? (laughs) Doing their own thing. And my 15-year-old works. My 23-year-old is rarely home. She works full-time. She travels a lot. And so we went from spending, you know, minimal time in the same room together to 24-7, nonstop, (laughs) all together, all the time. And, you know, it it was difficult. Also, when you have children that age, they all have opinions about what they want to do, how they want to do it, where they want to go, what they, you know, all this, how things should run. And so it was very interesting. But what I found is the blessing in being willing to take a step back and listen. So one of the days we climbed a mountain, we actually climbed a mountain to a glacier. And none of us are in terrible shape, but none of us are in peak condition either. It's not like I run every day. And so, you know, we start off and you're starting to climb this mountain and you're feeling pretty good. And then, you know, eventually you get to this point of being sort of tired and then you realize that you have a long ways to go. And we just learn to encourage one another because at any point, any one of us was at the point that we were ready to give up. And unless we kept just encouraging one another, like we can do it, come on guys, we've got this, or keep going, you're doing great, we wouldn't keep going. And one of the reasons that we did keep going, we all admit it, we all said, is that we hired a guide to take us. And he was phenomenal, he was super cheerful, he knew the mountain well, and he would, you know, he just kept us going. And my husband at one point said, you know, there's a hiker's high and there's a hiker's low. And I am definitely at the hiker's low right now. And we were able to then, you know, first of all, we all laughed about it, but then we're able to say, come on, we're, we're almost there. We can do it. And, um, it was a phenomenal experience. There was another point too, where we had gone to lunch, a very late lunch at a certain restaurant that someone had recommended to us. It was a phenomenal experience. We had a great lunch. And the waitress there said, oh, you should go do this. I was just there. It's really great. You should do this. So 
we had out to do this activity that she said to do. And what should have been like a 45 or 50 minute drive ended up being an hour and a half because we were in Alaska and it was snowing. And so the roads, we couldn't go very fast. It was 45 miles an hour instead of the 60 that it could have been. And so it took so long to get there. And then we went in this ice palace where we froze. We were wearing parkas that they gave us, but still my feet were freezing. And the next thing we were going to do is get in hot springs, like with our swimming suits. And there was no part of me that wanted to go from frozen amber to being in my swimming suit and walking outside (laughs) in the cold where it was snowing to get into the hot springs. But because my family was there and they're like, mom, this is going to be great. Like, we just have to do this. And honestly, you first leave the locker room and there's a hot tub right there. So I got in the hot tub right away and it, it felt good. And I was just fine to stay there. And finally, my son said to me, mom, 15 seconds from now, we're getting up and we're going outside. And I'm like, okay, here we go. But it's that not worrying about your own desires, but putting others' desires and listening to other people. And if we do that, we can go so much further than we would go on our own. I would have never gone into that hot springs. And it was a phenomenal experience being in the hot water with the snow coming down on us. Like, it was great. But I wouldn't have done it. So think of what we can do when we encourage and decide to live in harmony rather than make a big deal about everything or find fault or excuses or just immediately turn to, no, I'm not, or I can't, or I don't want to. Okay, we're going to read on. So uh, Peter continues, show sympathy, brotherly love, compassion, and humility. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Instead, speak a blessing because you were called for the purpose of inheriting a blessing. We're going to pause there because there's so much there again. I want to go through and break down these words. So sympathy, the conscious decision to be interested in someone else's problems instead of just your own. So whatever you have going on in your life, putting that aside and saying, how can I help you? Or what's going on? Is everything okay? Putting aside your own concerns and showing concern and being interested in other people. Love, the conscious decision to be willing to go out of your way and give of yourself in order to bring good things to someone else. Compassion, The conscious decision to open up your heart and feelings to another's pain and trouble, to be tender and merciful with people. Humility, the conscious decision to think less of yourself and more of other people. Do you hear a resounding theme? Not me, you. What's happening with you? What's going on? How can I help you? How are things going? Thinking less of yourself, more of other people. Right there. Man, if we could just do these things, life would be so much better in our churches, in our neighborhoods, with other believers, in our families, 
in our families. Wow. And then the last thing that um, Pastor Jeske, who wrote the People's Bible series on Peter, said is gentleness, is the conscious decision not to play the payback game, but rather to put away all thoughts of revenge and return words and actions that are kind. So even if someone says something snippy to you, you don't respond by being snippy. Instead, you respond with kindness, which is exactly what is said in the very next line. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. So even if someone says something snappy, aggressive, mean, insulting to you, keep your composure and speak blessing. Not insult, blessing. No matter what they're saying, do not insult them back. Keep your mouth from that. So then we go to a quote, which is from actually Psalm 34. And Peter says this, Indeed, let the one who wants to love life and to see good days keep his tongue from evil and his lips from saying anything deceitful. Let him turn from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his eyes are open to their requests. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let the one who wants to love life and see good days keep his tongue from evil and his lips from saying anything deceitful. Tongue from evil. First of all, that means don't gossip. So I don't care what you've heard from somebody else. It's not your news to share. You don't need to spread it. Just let it stop with you. Do not slander. Do not talk to other people about other people unless you are saying something wonderful about them. I love to tell other people how wonderful my friends are. I love to tell people how kind my husband is. I love to tell people about the good choices that my children are making. What I don't want to do is call you or email you or text you and tell you so-and-so said this, or you know what? So-and-so really is this terrible of a person, or you'll never guess what so-and-so did now. Let it stop with you. Without fire, a wood goes out without gossip a quarrel goes out. That's what we're told in the Proverbs. So let's just not, not be the person who lets our tongue speak evil. Let it stop with you. Um, don't be dece deceitful. I have talked about this before, so I'm not going to go in depth in this. When I talked about giving false testimony, the eighth commandment, I talked a lot about, you know, being deceitful and how exaggerating is deceitful. So every time you say, every time, or he always does this, or she never does this, or, you know, those exaggerations are deceitful and they're meant to color things in our favor. And it's just, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't make a, a story more colorful in your, to make you look at, you know, better in a better light. Don't do that. Just Keep the facts true. Keep it, keep everything truthful. And if you don't know the truth, then don't say it. Find out the truth. What are we supposed to do? Seek peace and pursue it. Now, this is important, and I love this so much. Seek means to attempt to find. Pursue means to follow in order to obtain or to catch. And there's a couple of passages that I think really 
help us to understand what it means to seek something or pursue it. So in Luke chapter 15, verses four to five, Jesus tells us this. Jesus said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and go home. So in order to seek the lost sheep, the shepherd is willing to put aside to leave everything else to go pursue that lost sheep. Then he goes on, Luke 15, verses 8 and 9, to say, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. What do you see this woman doing? She's lighting a lamp. She's not waiting until the next day. She's lighting a lamp, and even in the darkness, she's cleaning her house. She's sweeping. She's looking underneath things. She's putting effort in to find one coin. And then when she finds it, she is so happy. She's telling everybody that's seeking, that's pursuing. And then in Matthew chapter 13, verses 35 to, I'm sorry, 45 to 46, we hear this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. First of all, he's searching for it. He's seeking it. He's pursuing it. He's looking for it. He's not just hoping to stumble across it. He is intentional about trying to find this pearl of great value. And when he finds it, he realizes nothing else is even close in comparison to the worth of this. So he sells everything he has to buy this one thing. He's searching, pursuing. And what are we told? Seek peace. Pursue it. If you're going to seek something, if you're going to pursue something, let it be peace. Don't get in the middle of all these quarrels and little infighting. And and, and when you do get, when you stumble upon these things, because it happens, all of a sudden you walk into a conversation or somebody comes up to you and says, so-and-so and this and then there, and then, what do you do? Seek peace. Huh. Okay, well, let's think about this. Could they have meant this? Do you think they really meant to hurt you or upset you? Or do you think they weren't even thinking about this? Or how can we find common ground here? We're believers after all. We're Christians. And then the icing on the cake. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their requests. When I read this, I thought, oh, I want God to be looking at me, and I want him to be listening to me. I want that right living. So righteousness is being right with God, but also right living. We know in God's word, right here, God is telling us, this is a perfect little sermon how he would have us live as believers with other believers. He's telling us what he wants from us. So when we do this, God is watching us. He's listening to us. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Look, when we're just the opposite of this, when we're causing trouble, when we're stirring up and stoking people's tempers, 
when we're gossiping, causing problems, causing these little invites among believers, man, the face of the Lord is against us. That's something we should take pretty seriously. We don't want this. So this little passage, just four verses in 1 Peter 3 are worth our meditation to really say, what does God want from us? How does he want us to live? He wants us to live in harmony. He wants us to be compassionate, sympathetic, loving, humble. He wants us to be gentle. He wants us to forget about what people have done to us, about those insults, about the bad mistakes, the wrong choices. He wants us instead to seek and pursue peace. That's a whole different thing. I don't know if you got as much out of this as I did, but this is something I'm going to be pondering for quite a while. This has been little things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. <laughs>